from their sophomore effort, self-titled sophomore effort, uh, featuring uh, Robert Mason on lead vocal. That is the Lynch Mob featuring George Lynch on lead guitar. And kicking off the show tonight, we heard something from Hair of the Dog from their self-titled debut release with The Party Ain't Over. And the guy who always brings the party to the table is my good friend and partner, Chris Aiken. What's going on, Chris? What is up, man? How we doing? We're doing well. I'm uh, ready to go. Pumped and ready to go. Me too. I'm I'm pretty ready to do this tonight. <laughs> I don't know. After last week, uh, I was uh, having such a good time last week that I was like, man, I could go for another week like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not going to top that, but we're going to do, this is a new week, right? Yeah, so- it's a new week. You never know what's going to happen. I never know what's going to happen. Nothing's ever planned out. So isn't that, uh, isn't that the challenge of doing a radio show is that, you know, no matter how great last week it is, it, no matter how great last week was, it's over. So now it's, you know, now we got to produce again. Yeah, absolutely. But that's never been an effort for us to uh, to deliver. Not really. So uh, we're here to do that for you folks for free. 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 <laughs> Well, uh, I played some Lynch Mob there because uh, I will be on the road with Dokken and Lynch Mob uh, the first week in March. Ooh, look at you. Fancy. Yeah. Uh, so if uh, if any of our fans are in the Biloxi, Mississippi area, Midland, Texas area, or El Paso, Texas area over the uh, weekend of uh, March, I believe it's like March 6th, 7th, and 8th, um, you may see me. There you go. So I will be there. I will be out on the road, uh, you know, being a part of the part of the dock and road crew. So I will be out for three dates and uh, down in the uh, the Midwest, down in the southern part of the states and, uh, you know, just doing a thing. Will you be the one wheeling Don out to the stage? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Don doesn't need to be wheeled out to the stage. He's doing just fine. And I talked to him today or texted with him today. He said he's doing better. Yeah. Yeah. A little at a time, but he'll be fine. He's got another five, five weeks to go to, you know, get, get a little more rehab in before this thing kicks off. Yeah. And that's what I told him. He's like, dude, it's going to take a year. I was like, dude, once it kicks, it'll kick fast. Yeah. Just getting to that point. He'll be fine. So uh, anyway, I'll just be out there uh, helping helping the guys. So uh, you know, like I said, if the if any of our fans are going to those shows, uh, Lynch Mob Dockin, uh, Biloxi, Midland, Texas, and El Paso, uh, I will be in those uh, area in those areas. Fancy, yeah. Look at me, pal. Yeah, I'm part of the band, bitches. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna have to play uh, some Motorhead Road Crew. That's right. <laughs> no kidding. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, um, this, this winter, I know people talk about the weather, but boy, it does really affect what you think and feel and do. Well, mm-hmm. tomorrow it's going to be 52 here. Phew. Yeah. I don't know what it's supposed to be here. It's snowing right now here. So yeah, they it called for a little snow today, but t- tomorrow it's going to be 52. And I think on Monday it's going to be like 50. Oh, that's nice. So a good way to kick off February. Yeah. Yeah, this is this has been that this definitely has not been that horrific winter that they were predicting as as it. Yeah, it's all that uh, you know, man-made oh. climate climate change, you know, the the that's caused by straws and uh things like that. 
If you weren't driving that muscle car, we'd probably have some snow, Neely. <laughs> yeah, like I care about snow. Exactly. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, been been a good winter so far, and uh, you know, no real hassles, and you know, I'm trying to keep a very positive mental attitude and keep a good, uh, you know, just keep a good disposition about myself because, as you and I both know, we both dread the winter months and uh you know we're coming out of it so i think it'll be good yeah i hate the fucking winter more than more than anything this year you know it's it's been nice because since there hasn't been a lot of snow as you know i hibernate during the winter i literally hide in my bedroom for most of the (laughs) most of the winter and i black out the windows so i don't look outside and i don't even know what it's doing yeah but there hasn't been much terrible. In fact, really here, there's really not been any terrible, terrible weather. No. So I've actually spent a good part of it out in, you know, out and about in my living room. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make a trek out to the living room today. I sure hope I don't run into any obstacles. I've been traveling this year, traveling <laughs> down the hall. <laughs> it's it's good to get out of the bedroom once in a while, unless, of course, you have a naked hot chick there. Yeah. Hey, let me just tell you, I traveled all the way to the bank and back this week. <laughs> wow, look at you. <laughs> Once. <laughs> yeah, I actually got out into the fresh air. Yeah, well, you know, I, I went immediately from my house to the car, closed up the windows and turned up the heat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to breathe that fresh air shit. Yeah, why would you? No, hell no. It'll man. make you cough. That's right. I'm finally done with that fucking nonsense. So. Sure, absolutely. No, thank you on any more weather, any more people that could give me an illness, nothing. I'm good to just stay hibernated until I, I know next week when, when I'm out at the show next week, I'm going to get sick. I know it. I just know because it's one of those where I will be shaking hands and I will be taking photos and shit like that. Guaranteed I get sick. Yeah. Well, I, I find myself very fortunate and rarely, rarely ever getting sick and you know i just attribute that to just taking care of myself yeah well that's you <laughs> <laughs> well i i just been reminded and i was actually going to bring this up but since the reminder was tossed my way yeah i want to uh i want to make uh, sure everybody recognizes that february the shortest month of the year is also black history month Oh, well, good. So uh, let, let's celebrate in style, shall we? Let's let's make right. sure and, uh, you know, celebrate Black History Month and the, the great things that have been uh, brought to this country through the uh, hard toils of, of blackness. Who in, who in um, Black History will you be celebrating? Um, who will I be celebrating? Um, I'm thinking maybe Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Yeah. Okay. I have chosen as my black black um historical figure samuel little and who would samuel little be is the most prolific serial killer in united (laughs) states history all right (laughs) and he's from lorraine oh oh, very good (laughs) so there you go hometown guy does good Uh uh-huh hometown boy makes makes good Dude, I was watching this documentary today. It's called um, Serial Killers Defined. Okay. And, and it might be the longest documentary in the history of documentaries. It's five hours long. and um, But they profiled this guy, Samuel Little, 
and they had all these tapes of this guy. He he killed, I, I think they said 29 women or something. Okay. But, man, just listening to his confession tapes was classic. He was like, I love these women. I love these women. Even when I kill them, they love me, too. They love me, too, as I'm killing them. They wouldn't say a bad word about me. What, what is that? Like, what is that affect on your voice? What? What is that? That's Lorainian. <laughs> I was just wondering uh, who you were trying to mimic there. That was Lorainian. Don't you recognize <laughs> it from living here? Is that what that is? Yeah. What did you think it was? I didn't know. That's why I had to ask. <laughs> I just needed some clarification there. No, I, I spelled it for you. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, I too watched uh, documentaries today. Yeah, I watched one. I'm always fascinated with uh, some of these big corporations that uh, that crashed and burned. Uh, okay, b- back in the you know the early part of the 2000s that led all the sure. way up to the uh, the crash in 2008. And, okay, like, uh, like what, like Enron and yeah, stuff like and that? exactly, and you know, too big to fail, Enron. Well, I sure. watched one today inside the Lehman Brothers. Okay. Boy, that was that was good. The only thing that uh, they left out was what caused it to begin with. The the, 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 Le- the Lehman Brothers were were a mortgage. They were like a big mortgage broker company. You know, they had they held a lot of mortgages. They financed a lot of mortgages. Yeah. And uh, you know, they basically lied about the their assets. You know, about mm-hmm. what they had and, you know, they had a bunch of toxic assets, which were a bunch of people who, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to get into this to where it bores everybody, but this all started with the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. But they failed to bring that up, that uh, the Clinton administration felt everyone should have the opportunity to own a home, whether you're credit worthy or not. Right. And uh even if you weren't credit worthy, if you if you turn somebody down from trying to secure a loan to buy a home, you could be penalized. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And so all these lending institutions, they were under the gun to have to give out loans to people who, you know, they clearly knew were not going to be able to pay them back. Mm-hmm. So what they did is that they said, OK, well, we'll we'll lend the money. But we'll uh, we'll charge an origination fee. We'll we'll uh, you know you know do what they call an arm, which is which is a balloon payment after like you know two years. Two years, it balloons up to like triple. Yeah, <laughs> you know stuff like that. And these mortgage brokers walked away with a shit ton of money, and then they spun that loan off to somebody else. It was like passing the hot potato, you know. Mm-hmm. And Lehman Brothers had a bunch of these. Uh, loans and they were just packaging them up into one big toxic bundle and trying to sell it off <laughs> to the right. next guy and whoever was stuck with it at the end <laughs> that was it you know but mm-hmm. uh, but long story short uh, it was very interesting that uh, you know the Lehman Brothers they were around for a hundred plus years and it all just collapsed in a matter of just like you know a couple of years it, the whole thing just went down the shitter Sure. Dude, I was one of those guys. I was absolutely one of those guys. I, there was no, that, that was like one of the last years before I started making any real money. Yeah. Um, you know, I was making like 40 grand a year or whatever with a wife and three kids, you know, <laughs> definitely not, not 
financially able to to buy a house, but I I used one of those lenders. I bought this house. I paid. Uh, you'll love this. I paid zero down. Yeah. I I didn't have to pay it, and they waived all the fees. Yeah. Even have to pay like title process. Well, nothing. they they basically rolled it into the loan under some yeah. other thing. You know, right. believe me, they got their money. Well, not from me. They didn't. Well, they they got it from the bank that lent the money. Bank. Yeah, because I was. I thank God for my lawyer friend Dan, and thank you, Dan. He does listen to us, and thank you very much, Dan, because he once I bought my house. He, he came over for a housewarming party and he was like, Oh, you know, how much did you pay for your house? You know, you know, the typical shit that you talk about. And I was telling him about my house and he was like, what do you mean you signed an arm loan? I was like, yeah, well, that's the kind of loan, you know, and I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Adjustable rate mortgage. (laughs) And He was like, he was like, let me see your paperwork. And I was like, okay, sure. And you know, I, you know me, I didn't read a fucking thing. Mm -mm. I just signed, 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 signed. And he shows me where it was going to go up from like four and a half percent to 16%. Yeah. It's going to balloon up. And, and he, he was like, I don't care what you do, but the minute you pass one year with your mortgage refinance. Yep. Yep. He was like, don't, don't miss a payment. Don't be late on a payment. Make all your payments for one year on time and get the fuck out of it. Yep. And I did, and thank God I did too, because I would have lost my house. Yeah, sure. There's no way. I mean, as it was, my mortgage is like a thousand a month or eleven yeah. hundred or something in there, and multiply that by four. Fuck that. Yeah, I would have gone up over three grand a month. Yeah, I couldn't have, dude. Forget, it. I wouldn't have lasted one month. Yeah, of course. That's how a lot of people lost their homes, and uh, you know they were talking to some of these mortgage broker and these originators, these loan originators. And, right. uh, you know, some of them were, you know, very suspicious about some of these loans that they were originating. Mm-hmm. And, and I was in the mortgage business for a short time, as you're aware. Sure. And, you know, they did, they, you know, what was legal was to do a thing called stated income, which said, yeah, this is how much I make. Yeah. Okay. You make 10,000 a month. Great. Yeah. Where's well, the, and you didn't have to prove it. You just said. Yeah, I, I make this amount a month. Okay, we take your word for it. Great. That had to be what they did with mine. They probably saw because I showed them a W two. Yeah, but there's no way forty grand with five with five people would have bought a house. <laughs> there's just no. There's no way that would have financed. I, my house cost one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, there's no fucking way that forty grand a year would have been like um, reasonable or whatever. Let alone, what do they do now? That whole debt assessment thing? Oh, yeah. yeah, Dude, my debt assessment at that point was like 99%. <laughs> you were, you were like, leveraged to the hilt. Dude, I was, I was like working. You probably remember this. That was when I was working the day job, then coming home on Friday, taking a nap, and going back on Friday and working another overnight 12 so that I would make enough money to get through the week. Yeah. You know, that was, and I was doing the metal show to get paid and, and you were doing music's bottom line line to get a little bit of money. You know, I was, I was fighting for every dollar at that point, but yet I was like, yeah, let me buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, they did what they call subprime lending, which uh, basically were people who really couldn't qualify for a loan. But because the Clinton administration said, well, you got to give them a loan no matter what. Mm-hmm. They said, OK, fine. Well, we'll give them a loan, but we'll make sure we capitalize on that. Yeah, well, I'd like to thank Bill for putting me in my house. Thank you. <laughs> It's so funny whenever a Democrat administration does something that's fucked up and that ruins shit, they always sweep that under the carpet in the history books. Oh, yeah. They always sweep it under the carpet like it never happened. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, dude, this is where it all started. Of course. You know, it was Bush's fault because it all fell apart during his. (laughs) Of course. He'd been in office. What, an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how long had he been in office? No, he it was it was near the end of his it was near the end of his uh, term as president when it all right. when it all exploded, right. you know. But but by this time it was already uh, fallen into the abyss, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think there was a, a whole lot anybody could have done about it at that point it, it, because uh, Bear Stearns failed, Lehman Brothers failed, you know, uh, Enron had failed prior to that. Yeah. So it was just a it was just a matter of dominoes. Right. And then Bernie snuck in there somewhere and stole everybody's money and their hopes. <laughs> yeah, Bernie the made off. Yeah, he made off with all their billions. <laughs> that guy that guy's the all timer. How did he not get killed in prison? I don't know. That's amazing to me. You're gonna tell me that guy went to prison and not one person in there had a family that got fucked by him? Come on. That yeah. seems a little outrageous. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But I, I enjoy those kind of documentaries because, you know, uh, it gives you a, a lot of insight on things. A lot of stuff I already know, but it, it's interesting to hear the uh, the corporate guys who, right. you know, bailed out some of the guys who were really at the top of the heap. And they were just like, yeah, we were all nervous. We kind of knew something was going to happen. <laughs> it was just right. like, but, but we, you know, it was a secret. We weren't supposed to talk about it. It's just like, yeah. you know, that is just criminal when, when you, when you know that, that there is something going on there and, mm-hmm. and, and you're in a position now, granted, there were a couple of guys in this Lehman, uh, documentary that did, uh, you know, blow the whistle, but nobody paid attention to them. Of course not. Cause they wanted to keep making the money. Well, no, they, they actually reported no. the wrong. No, all the other people. Yeah, well, the they people, they the report. Well, no, they reported it to well, like the Securities and Exchange Commission, who's supposed to be like the policeman of the of Wall Street and things. And yeah, even because those it, guys are certainly not on the take. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like those guys didn't pay any attention either. They were just like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, they were like, fuck it, who cares? You know how much they probably went back to the to the heads of Lehman Brothers and said, hey, we got this report. What you gonna do to make it go away? Yeah, is this true? No, absolutely not. Oh yeah, we didn't think so. Okay, thanks. I think it went more like, "What do you need? A yacht? Okay, <laughs> we'll give you a yacht and make that, comp- and we'll also make the complaint go away at right, the same exactly. time as we're sailing on our new yacht." Right. I'm sure that's how that went. I'm sure, there were a lot of boats that were bought sure. to make this go away. Yeah. <laughs> They had to, uh, all, they, they got a hold of, uh, what, uh, uh, Jordan Belford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey Jordan, how you enjoying your new boat? It's great. <laughs> oh, I love those. I love those. Just, you know, again, it's, it's the whole, that whole attitude. It's just like, oh, these guys have been around 150 years. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they sure do. I, I'm, I'm convinced that anything that lasts more than 20 years is is being ripped off at this point. Yeah, well, somebody, it, somebody somewhere figured out a loophole or a way to, to, you know, gig the system. You know that, of course. Of course. Of course. Once it makes it to 20, it's just defunct. I don't care if you're talking about America as a whole or any organization within America. Once it hits 20, somebody's fucking ripping it off. Yeah, of course. Just as the way it is. That's just how it is. You know, Ben Franklin said it best. The money is the root of all evil. He's right. I like evil. (laughs) So anyway, I was watching that. And then uh, let's see. What else did I watch? I think I watched. uh, Oh, I watched one where the um, one of the techs or he was like a security guard for Leonard Skinner. Okay. He was on the plane that went down back in 77 and uh, he was basically telling his story, you know, so it was his, here's the interesting thing that, that Leonard Skinner legacy is, is so um, guarded that Uh even though he had like home movies and home video and things that, that he used clips of in his documentary to kind of tell his story. Yeah, they they had to uh, blank out the faces of anybody that was in the video because of I'm sure likeness rights. Oh, did that lead to a lot of little dots all over the tree where pieces <laughs> of the faces were? Too that, soon. Like, Sorry, too soon. <laughs> like like there'd be like a home video of him and like uh, Ronnie Van Zan out in a out in a boat fishing. Well, right. you know they they would have to blur out Ronnie's face. Did they beep out his name too? Like if he said, "Hey Ronnie, did you catch a fish?" It was like, "Hey beep, did you catch a fish?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, I watched that. It uh, that was pretty good. So I, that wasn't bad at all. Then I watched a movie. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it's not a new movie. It's it's actually from ninety. I'm thinking it was like ninety four. Okay. It was a Kevin Spacey movie, and it was called Swimming with the Sharks. Okay, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's about a kid or a guy, young guy, trying mm-hmm. to make it in Hollywood. He He's a writer, and he wants to get into the movie business and whatnot. And he goes to work for Kevin Spacey, who's like an executive vice president of, you know, uh, movie development or something like that, you know. And, okay. and Kevin Spacey, he plays, you know, the, the typical... Um, uh, role that he plays in like uh, horrible bosses mm-hmm. just okay. a, just a real dicky guy just real whatever but anyway mm-hmm. uh, i watched that movie and it, it was okay you'd have to see it i don't even want to get get into the whole movie but i watched that it, like i said it's it's an older movie but the end kind of left me wondering like wow that was kind of weird <laughs> nice yeah it was just a bizarre movie yeah i'll try to i'll try to sum it up so it doesn't drag out here but what it is is this this guy who works for kevin spacey he he's kevin spacey is kind of he's a real dick you know constant berating this guy you're nothing you're a nothing to me you just do what i tell you. you're lower than scum you're this you're that you know and he'd always embarrass him and yell at him in front of other people and you know he was his personal assistant well, he just got to the point to where he broke into Kevin Spacey's house and tied him up and just started torturing him. <laughs> just like, nice. you apologize. You apologize, you know. Right. And uh, this guy had a girlfriend who was a, a scriptwriter, mm-hmm. And Kevin Spacey was uh, developing her script into what could be a pretty good movie. 
big movie. And she showed up at the house because she used to bang Kevin Spacey. Okay. And so this guy has this gun and she's like, don't, don't, you know, put the gun down. Let's talk about this. And Kevin Spacey's tied up. He goes, just finish it. Just do it. Just do it. And he goes, I can't respect you if you can't just finish this, you know. And this guy, you see him aim the gun and shoot, and you assume that he killed Kevin Spacey, but he ended up killing that chick. <laughs> nice. And it it does it you know you it's really strange. And then the next scene, this guy is promoted, and Kevin Spacey is still working with him. Yeah, it's well, weird. It's probably because Kevin Spacey blew him. <laughs> that would be real life. <laughs> But it's a weird movie. If anybody can explain the the ending to me, it was I I you know I know what happened, but it's just like how did this guy? How did Kevin Spacey allow this guy to beat him and torture him and tie him up and this and that, and then uh, end up promoting him and letting him work with him? Dude, let bygones be bygones. For God's sake. <laughs> it's <on>. just bizarre. <laughs> it's a really bizarre movie. So I, yeah, I, that's what I spent my day doing watching documentaries and goofy movies. Nice. Well, I, I had a slightly different path this week. I watched a couple of movies this week. I watched and was very disappointed, as I told you on the phone. I watched Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh, I didn't watch that yet. I meant to do that. I did not enjoy it very much at all. No. I was, it's it's definitely an example of, you know, can't go back. Just it tries to be funny. It tries to fit the old narrative. For whatever reason, I, I didn't like it. Um, I did watch it a second time, and I really didn't care for it. It just didn't do it for you. Yeah, I didn't. And that's a bummer to me because, you know, I'm a huge Kevin Smith. Well, so am I. I. You know, again, what 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 was it lacking? Comedy. It wasn't very funny. It wasn't funny to me. The jokes felt tired. Like, it was like the same jokes. It, a lot of it was just the same old jokes from the, you know, clerks and Jay and, Bo- Jay and Silent Bob strike back. It was just the same jokes. Um, I don't know. They wedged real hard, both of them, to get their kids into the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Kevin Smith's daughter is like the kind of the star of the movie. Okay. Um, there was another part that was kind of, it was really hokey. Um, they, they go to a Comic-Con, Jay and Silent Bob do. You know, the the premise, basically, and yeah, I'm giving spoilers, so listener don't, but the, the premise basically is that Jay and Silent Bob somehow signed away their rights to the name Jay and Silent Bob, and it's for some movie that's being remade, and um, so they have to go to this Comic-Con to do a scene in the movie to get their name and their, their legal names back of Jay and Silent Bob. Okay. So... And then it just goes into stupid places from there. But once they get to the Comic-Con, you got Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, or Jay and Silent Bob, sitting in the audience while Kevin Smith is on stage, you know, doing the hype up for the for the Comic-Con or whatever. And they're, and, and they're just playing it off like, oh, he's a dick and he's not funny. And, you know, I hate that fucking Kevin Smith. It, it was just. It's too much of a stretch for me. <laughs> it just was like, it, it wasn't good. And, and I didn't let, la- I honestly don't think I laughed four times in the entire hour and a half. I just didn't dig it. Right. And, and and that's a bummer because, you you know, I mean, I went and saw Jason Mewes last year. Yeah, I know you did. 
you know, I mean, I mean, I'm a fan and I just, ugh, just was not digging it, but I watched that. I watched, this is a weird week for me. I watched two movies in one week. I don't usually watch two movies in a quarter. Wow. Look at that. But I also watched this movie called, um, fighting for my family. It's a, it's a movie about the WWE chick on page. Okay. She's the one that had all the porn released about her like last year, like with guys coming on the championship belt and shit. <laughs> great porn. Some really good porn. Not so, not so, um, the movie wasn't bad either. The movie was pretty good. Uh, pretty fun. I, I, I don't think you have to be a WWE fan to watch it necessarily. It had a cool story. It was about, uh, you know, her family. It's a real life story about her family and her family runs like a little, a little wrestling gym and somewhere in the middle of bumfuck nowhere in, in England. <laughs> okay. And, and it's how she got discovered and whatnot. Right. But, but it, it was, it was a pretty cool movie. It was pretty, pretty fun, pretty funny. A lot of cool metal in it, which was surprising me. They, they would pick up these kids in a van and take them to the wrestling school every day. And the way they got them hyped up was by listening to metal, which was pretty cool. So it was like motorhead one day and bring your daughter to the slaughter another day. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. All these kids singing, bring your daughter to slaughter and, you know, born to raise hell and stuff. Right. Wasn't, it wasn't awesome, but it was pretty, it was a decent movie. It was, it was an okay watch for free. It was great. So, and then my documentaries just, I, I was in a weird, um, I don't know, murder porn week, I guess. Uh, and I, I finally, I, I had never done this before, but I watched in its entirety, the, um, Dennis Rader confession. Okay. Have you ever watched that? I, I don't think I watched, I, I, I have seen part of it, but how, I didn't see the whole thing. You got to watch the whole thing. It's, it's like an hour, hour and a half long or whatever. And that might not even be the whole thing. I don't even know, but it was, it was definitely an hour long. I am telling you, I have more emotion when I talk about making a cup of coffee than this guy did explaining away his murder. Yeah, I know. He was very, very, very matter of fact about everything. He's just like, yeah. So I took him in the bedroom and I hit him in the head with a claw hammer then I grabbed his daughter and I fucked her and then I killed her and I stuffed a towel down her throat. And it's like, he's just like, so like clinical, but, but talking about it in a way, like, like you would talk about remembering when you went to your mailbox yesterday, right? Like no emotion at all. Well, he has no empathy at all. I, I mean, none, but usually, usually they either have, they either cry because they're caught or they get excited because they're reliving it. This guy had neither. He was just like, yeah, you know, then I tied her up. Then I fucked her and then I killed her. And that was more emotion than he had the way I just, said it. <laughs> you know, just crazy talk. Yeah. It's like, so, so, had, so what else you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just some of the stuff he's doing, he's like, they said, well, what about this guy? And he's like, Hmm. Like he's like, he's just rewinding it in his brain. Yeah. He was doing the rev. Yeah. <laughs> Tapping. <laughs> Tapping his yeah, brain on the yeah, desk. Let me, let me spin that uh, memory back. Yeah. See, let me, I'm, I'm searching back in the tapes. Oh, there it is. Yeah. All he needed was the rewind sound effect. Yeah. 
both. Just brutal, man. That yeah. guy was fucked. That guy was, and I, I know that's a that's a real stretch for me to make that claim that Dennis Rader was fucked. Well, well, the interesting thing about Dennis Rader was that uh, he pulled off a lot of those crimes in the seventies, mm-hmm. and then he took a break for like twenty years. Yeah, he just said, "Eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna retire and, for a little and bit," and then all of a sudden he just cropped up again. Yeah, he's like all these bands. He just went on hiatus. Yeah, for he a just bit. went away for a while. But you know what? I haven't been on tour in a while. I haven't killed anybody in a while. Yeah, time to go back. And then they were talking about in this in that other documentary I told you I watched the um, the serial killers defined. That's on Amazon Prime. They also featured Dennis Rader, and they had more clips of like the day he was arrested and stuff. And he was a giggling boob. He's like, ha, you guys got me. Of course I'm BTK. He's yeah. all happy. Yeah, it's like I'm finally recognized for my handiwork. Yeah. And and what a what an asshole he was the way he taunted the police. Oh yeah, he, leaving notes and shit out by a phone pole and shit like that. Not just notes. He was taking Barbies. Yeah. He was buying Barbie dolls and he was tying them up the same way he had tied up his victims and like stabbing them the way he stabbed his victims and then leaving them with a note next to a telephone booth yeah, or yeah, a, I remember. a stop sign or some shit. Yeah, I remember. It's like, wow. And, and and what a brazen dick. He There had to be something that just wanted to get caught. Because at the end, he he was like, he literally asked the police if they could trace him by using a, a computer disk. And then he sent them a computer disk. They lied to him, and then they fucking traced him. Yeah. That's how they, they caught they, him. Yeah, they found the, the little thing on the CD that he generated at that at, at the church, right? Yeah, well, and it was so simple. I mean, dude, anybody that's ever worked a computer knows this. When you use it, when remember in the old days when you would create a document on Word or whatever, and then you would go to reopen it again, and you would find it in the little file yeah. finder, mm-hmm. and would say the name of the file, how big it was, and who created it. Yeah, that's how they found him. Was they 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 found this document on a on a disk that he mailed in. And it said um, it, it had the IP or whatever to the church. And then it said created by Dennis. <laughs> That's how they fucking found him. Yeah, I know. What a dummy. Well, the the funny thing is, is he was successful in getting away with these murders back in the 70, but, 70s. But once technology advanced, that's that's what did him in. Yep, that's what did. Or there had to be something that he wanted to get caught, though. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, I did all these killings in the 70s, and you know, nobody had a clue, and you know, I should be, I should be recognized in the Killer Hall of Fame or something. No, I mean, how do I get it, nominated for that? No, it, it's it's weird, and you know, he's the another weird thing with him is he's one of the only serial killers that ever named himself, right? You know, everybody else, everybody else got their, their name from like the media or whatever, but they didn't give him a name. So he gave himself a name. Yeah. BTK. I need to be and, recognized. God damn it. Yeah. So he named his, he named his own as him. And I think Zodiac's the only other one that, that named himself. You know, everybody else gets a green river killer and those guys, they all got named by the media. Yeah. You know, or the the clown killer. What, what what was Gacy's name? He's something like the clown or something. Yeah, well, he was a clown. Yeah, he was an ass clown. 
literally, literally and figuratively. I, I was watching some comedian. I'm trying to remember what comedian it was, but he was talking about how his father was always very upbeat and he could find something good in anything. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he said, so I tried to challenge my dad. You go, dad, not everything is, is positive. There's, there's negative things in, in life. And he, right. and he says his dad would choose to always err on the side of goodness. And he goes, right. well, what about John Wayne Gacy? He buried guys under his porch. He goes, hey, <laughs> it was a homeowner. <laughs> yeah, but he showed up to work on time every day. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, people are, people are ridiculous with the – dude, the, the serial killer thing is just – I get it. It's it's something that's fucked in their brain, and, and I know the hardest part of watching serial killer stuff is because, as fairly normal people, you know, as as close to normal people as I guess we are, it's it's impossible to understand. You know, it's just there's 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 something missing with them, and it's impossible for us to understand or comprehend. Yeah, how they could just do this kind of shit. You know, I, I mean, I understand that you could kill somebody like in a state of rage. I understand that somebody did you wrong or something. I mean, real wrong, like killed your family member or something. I certainly believe that if somebody killed a family member or something, I could absolutely premeditate and kill that person. Sure. But I mean... This Dennis Raider, this fucking guy, he literally, he would drive around the street and he would see a woman just walking, just walking around. And the woman would say, and he, or the woman wouldn't say nothing. He would just drive past her and go, all right, that's who I'm going to kill next. Yeah. He would just pick them out just completely, completely random. You know, it was so bizarre to me. Yeah. Well, not, not only that, but he lived a, you know, a normal life. He was married and, you know, was a deacon in the church and he, he was yeah. a community member and all that other stuff. Yeah. Great. Look at in the chat room. They think I'm kidding that I could, that I could plan and kill somebody that like killed my kid or something. What, are you nuts? Of course I could. I, I think anybody has that, uh, capability. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that I would randomly go and find somebody. A meatball? Yeah, if it was, if it, if somebody, you know, just just maliciously harmed your family or killed somebody in your family, you you could you could very, I could easily see the rage. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't I I don't see how that's like that, making some crazy statement. No, nah, I don't think so. Not at all. Maybe, maybe I am a nutcase. I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't think that's nutty at all. I think we've all had feelings of, of violence. I, I mean, you know, just watching all this impeachment bullshit and listening to that Adam Schiff, you, you could you could easily think of some bad things that you'd like to see happen. Could much worse go for that guy than his look? Jesus. Yeah, I know. But my, my point is, is just it's just like, how does a person like this exist? How come somebody, you know, doesn't, you know, take this guy out? Well, well, let's hope nobody does. You know, you know, and I hate to say it, but as much as I fucking can't stand any of this political shit right now, I certainly don't want any of it to fucking 
turn into spill over into violence. I get it. But my point, my point is, is I could under, I could see somebody getting so to the point of where it's just like, I've had enough of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? See it. Yeah. Dude. I I mean, I'm curious if you're this way now, when I was 20, 25 years old, whatever, you know, um, I used to, I used to, I don't know if shocked is the right world, but word, but I was always surprised when you would see like guy kills his attorney or guy kills, I don't know, his ex-wife or whatever. Yeah. I was always surprised by that stuff. But as I've gone further in life, I'm not surprised by any of that. No, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, if people believe that they've been wronged somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and and it just gets to the point to where they're they're ready to snap. Mm-hmm. They they just do they don't they don't sit there in a rational sense and go yeah I I need to go kill that guy no they yeah. they're just like fuck that guy he needs to die you know whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is yeah and and the the thing is is for most I would say for ninety nine point nine nine percent of us we say that and then it's out you know it's like oh, I wish I could fucking break his neck and then and then it's like out and then it's like all right well fuck him he's a fucking asshole yeah then you you move on but some of those guys man they're wounded one they're weaker i guess and they're and they're wounded to that level that they're they're meaning it yeah you know and i'll tell you going through the divorce i really understood it a well the thing is is that some people are driven to the point to where they believe that they've lost everything Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, yeah. And again, it goes back to the whole Stephen Piercy song: "When you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose." Yeah. So you just get that mentality. It's like, fuck it, it's over. I lost everything. You know, I could, you know, and and they just they just snap. Yeah. I know. After going through the emotions of my divorce, I am way more surprised now that more more people don't kill their exes than actually do, because the one you know. The one thing that pacifies those thoughts that you have sometimes that everybody has sometimes is the fact that it goes away. You know what I mean? It it moves on. It it does. Yeah. But, but oftentimes that rage is sometimes fueled by something, either mental illness or drugs or alcohol, or, you know, it it just exacerbates it to the, where it it causes them to actually go carry out their, you know, their, their impulse. Right. And also with, especially with divorce or a bad breakup, that doesn't go away fast. It almost never goes away in like a day or a week. You know, it's like, and the longer you've been with somebody, it's like, holy shit, this is like six months and I'm still fucked. <laughs> you know, and it's like, this is, you start really feeling like this is the way it is. Yeah. It's, it's the whole wounded animal thing. It really is. It's it's wounded animal that somebody just keeps picking the scab. Yeah, and you hate. just it just you just lash out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. Now I didn't have any violent lashing out, but I I would say that party that one night was a pretty significant lash out, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I just fucking snapped. Just snapped and drank everything in sight and fucking went after like verbally went after everybody. <laughs> Well, it's it was you were self medicating. You were trying to kill the pain. Yeah, I definitely was. Ooh. I don't know that I did a good job of it, but because I felt more pain the next day with that hangover. Oh my god! Yeah. 
Yes, that was definitely a, an interesting uh, event. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was one for the books. If you were there, you know. If you weren't, you'll never know. <laughs> that, that That is true. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, pretty raw. But, yeah, you know, again, for somebody to say, oh, I can't understand how somebody could, you know, uh, lash out and just impulsively just go after somebody. It's like, yeah, I, I can understand it. I've I've felt rage myself. You know, it's not often, but it's it's happened. It's just like you know, there, there was times when uh, you know, even when things were going bad for me about uh, eight or ten years ago, it was, you know, it was it, you know, you just like, man, if if I could cause something horrific to happen to you, I right. I, I wish it would happen. Right. I, I know there was a time with the one girl, and I won't say her name, but it starts with an R. Yes. And it was the only time ever, ever, in all the years I've known you and all the conversations you and I have had, where you actually almost were at Eddie Trunk level with the shrill. Oh, yeah. You, you were like super, super pissed. And I remember it caught me so off guard because that's just not you ever. Yeah. You're is you're always so kind of in control yeah but the, uh, like, the, that one there bitch. <laughs> yeah well that one there you know i i she she was very deceptive mm-hmm. and once i once i discovered her deceit yeah. and to the level of her deceit that that was just a that was just a real stab yeah you know and and i agree that 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 one there was just a you know, it was that was somebody that I really, really liked as a person. But then when I realized what she was really like, it yeah. was just like, man. And I and I don't know if I was so angry at myself so much as as uh, her or myself. I think I was like, how could I been, you know, taken in like that? Mm-hmm. Well, you had to admit that you were, you know, defrauded. And yeah. that was that was really what it came came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a bad one. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I've ever heard you like with real anger. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, is things were falling apart in other right. aspects. You know, the business was falling apart, and then she just all she did was just add fuel to the fire, and it was just like, all right, right. When 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 is this going to come to an end? Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, all I could think of is Led Zeppelin. Good times, bad times. You know, I've had my share. (laughs) Well, that was definitely a bad time for you. There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, but I survived. We're all survivors. We get through it. it Yep. Made it through. Yep. And and I've got to thank my dad for a lot of that because I, you know, when I would talk to him on the phone and stuff, he goes, he's like, son. He says, there's going to be peaks and valleys. He said, it will get better. Trust me. It will get better. He said, just tough it out, you know, yep. just tough it out. And I did, and it got better. So, you know, but the thing is, is at that time, boy, that was, that was a hard pill to swallow. Shit. Yeah. Well, you don't get to be as old as your dad does by being a fucking pussy. <laughs> True. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. He's going to be 91 in March. Holy smokes. That motherfucker's going to outlive me. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah, it is. Well, speaking of this anger and outrage and vengeance and whatnot, the only thing that could come to my mind to take us out of the segment is to play some wasp from Kill Fuck Die. I'm sure you know the song. Yeah. It's you. 
<laughs> I just lay awake at night just thinking about how I could kill you in many ways. Yeah, because you fucking suck. You fucking suck. Fuck you. Kill yourself. You fucking suck. The, just the, the venom. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just like, but when he just hisses in, those, in the background, he goes, fuck you. Kill yourself. <laughs> Hard to believe that came from such a church going man these days. Yeah, I know. And the, <laughs> and, and the think. To think this is 23 years old already. I believe this came out in 97. That seems like new wasp to me. It does. Yeah. (laughs) But wasp been around another another man, been around 40 fucking years. No shit. We're old. We are. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Everybody go get a drink. Everybody enjoy this outrage. Let Blackie uh, spew your venom if if you've been a wounded animal like Chris and I have. Yeah. So here it is. It's Wasp with you exclusively here on your classic metal show. Hi, this is the one and only Blackie Lawless of Wasp. I listen to the classic metal show, Rock and Roll to Death. 